Hello out there. We're on the air. It's, it's Rink Moose Talk tonight. The beers are cold. The mics light up. And, and the, the boys, boys get set to fight. The gloves come off. Opinions get thrown. And someone slips on ice. One man howls. The other scowls. But the show must go on. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. You're an announcer with a long stick from time to time. With hockey flows. And Marshawn's nose. And Pierre Maguire's life. Not John's a leaf. Ovechkin's teeth. And Hoffman's crazy wife. When Carey slumps. And Benjamin stumps. Durant's not LaFontaine. Jokes aside, it's podcast time. And Rink Moose is the name. Oh, hockey game is the best game can. Greetings and salutations. And welcome to episode 28 of the Rink Moose Fantasy Hockey Podcast, a weekly episodic podcast where two good friends get together and discuss all things NHL and their implications in fantasy hockey. Wow. I am one of your hosts, Nick Costu, with this schmuck, the man they call Horny McGuire. No. No. (laughs) No. You didn't just bring that up. Well, it's Nick, to. I mean, it's thematic. It, it fits. It fits where we are now in this in this season. It does, and we'll we'll jump into that. That's this is. Uh, I haven't even thought much about it recently. Actually, that whole scenario, because I've problem. been away most of the weekend. But I think you can join me in saying that this is going to be a comparatively tougher episode compared to the last two, just because we're we're separated once again. We're not in the same studio, Rink Moose Studio, as last time. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're doing our usual thing. It's, uh, I'm in Toronto, Nick's in Kingston here. But boy, do we have a, uh, a, a deep list of topics to cover today. Uh, we're going to give you everything Trade Center-wise after the Duchesne deal. And uh, it's going to be good. But firstly, Nick, the, uh, the fantasy hockey playoffs are right around the corner. About uh, tomorrow. Four hours, in fact. And it looks like things have settled into place here. The dust has settled. And, man, I did not expect this week to go this way because I, I really? thought I was going to s- sail into a third-place spot with no hiccups, but it looks like I'm going to lose my way into a third-place spot with uh, with uh, a couple hiccups here. Because uh, I didn't yeah. expect this, but Fish, Fish, as in Bradshaw, has been plump, just pummeled this week. <laughs> so thank you to Mitch, and then uh, you you handled Braden just like I thought you would, and uh, it looks like everything's gonna settle into place. So I'm I, I finished third, and I'm gonna be facing the last place seed, who's actually a tough opponent. I've realized, and uh, you're gonna be Kyle's. second. Yes, yes. So you get a nice easy bye week where you just sit back and plan for the future, and I'm gonna be mm-hmm. dropping key players to survive the present. Beautiful. It's not uh, it's not a great scenario, but I'm fired up. After this it's, week, it, yeah. I'll either be on a high horse or I'll be depressed and uh, and very upset for three straight yes. weeks. It lasts three straight weeks. Is that is that right? I think so. Like I'll yeah, I'll have I'll have at least two weeks where I don't give a shit about uh, like any of my my favorite players or my favorite teams. I'll just be a casual fan for two weeks. And then I'll be like, okay, yeah, it's, uh, it's time to get back in the ring here. Right. So you'll have to carry me through those episodes. 
Right. Well, yeah, I mean, the tale of the tape's exciting. We got the battle of the Kyles, and then uh, we got the defending champ, Bradshaw, against Braden, who is the ultimate. I'm going all in. He's the Columbus Blue Jackets. of. Oh, shit. That's a good comparison, actually. Oh, it's a it's a great comparison, and it's a great tale of the tape. Yeah. I mean, the fact that at the end of this coming week, one of the defending champ or Braden are going to be eliminated is, is kind of nuts. You like that, eh? I, I, I just, it's it's crazy. It's like the playoff format. It's like saying mm. oh, t- one of Tampa or Toronto is getting knocked out. It's like these, these yeah. two dynasties, these two dynasties, and one of them's gone. It sounds like you're really fearful of Braden and his squad. I am. I'm very fearful of that bra- part of the bracket. Fortunately for me, I avoided it. How does but, the bracket uh, thing work, by the way? Is it? It's Yeah, so it's the first seed takes on the winner of uh, 4v5. And the second seed takes on the winner of three v six. Second seed. Yeah, because the whole point is like ideally oh. second place plays third place, first place plays fourth place. So that's kind of how the bracket breaks down because they assume the higher seeds are going to win. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Interesting. So, yeah. There you go. All right. Well, I'll I'll uh, I'll see you in the finals. Well, uh, the 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 semis. 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 Exactly. If you make it through. If I do, yeah. No, Which he's has never a, happened. We've never played each other in the playoffs, so that'll be very interesting. I've never, I've never, like I said before, I've never won a round. You've never won, right? Yeah. And uh, this guy, he's he's a he's a wild card because he's got guys like Kucherov and Past Pasternak's out right now, which is massive. Mm. But you should have seen the goaltending he put up put up this week. He's, he's got, got like a nine sixty with four wins. That's not good. That's not good. I mean, boss, he's got Rask. Boston has has what sixteen games straight with a point. I think, I think that's their record right now. And uh, Wild have won five straight, and he's got yeah, there. It's bad. And and, and, and Hellebuck's now healthy again. So yeah, he's got him you, too. You got, tall task, tall task. Tall, but uh, and look, it gets even worse if Pasternak comes back, which uh, I I don't know. I don't think know. it's gonna happen. No, no, I, I don't think that's happening. At all. So that that's a bullet dodged right there, right off the bat. Yeah. I can't, so I can't really complain about anything. No. And your yeah. goalies, I mean, rightfully so, strong as well. Price and Vassy. Yeah. Um, so it's it, it's. I think it's going to come down to the goaltending here, as it always should and does. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I got to think his luck's going to swing the other way for goal goalies. So I think he's going to have more of an average week, just because he had like a. You can't have godlike week two weeks in a row for goalies. Uh, you could though, because that's how goalies work, right? They get hot, they get cold, uh, and right now you're catching him on a hot on a hot streak. Yeah. But we'll figure it Just out. Think about it. Yeah, I might have to pick up a phantom uh, start here that uh, is very unprecedented. But we'll see what happens. Yes. All right. Well, uh, yeah. That, we'll we'll move on. We'll we'll have the results for you guys next week mm-hmm. in this epic epic week of of the quarterfinal in our fantasy hockey league. But yeah. moving on, as promised, Kyle promised you guys we'd be giving this segment a test drive. You know, you boy, walk into oh, the dealership, get the keys. You want a t- test drive, right, Kyle? Yeah, of course. We've we've got a just roar roars from the audience about this se- the success of this segment. They, oh they yeah, love, they love this segment, and we're gonna give you a short little snippet this week. Of course, you all you you all know I'm alluding to our bachelor update. <laughs> um, all the emails Kyle, have just been pouring in, Nick. They've been pouring more in. Bachelor. We have, we we should have a Q and A segment. We have questions. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think the producer would uh, would let us would let us do that. No. But, uh, regardless, 
we we had a we had a hectic episode. You must have been sweating in this one. Oh, because I'll tell I, oh. I, you know, first things first, I'm very selective about what all what I watch. Like time is of the essence in my life as it is exactly, <laughs> you know, as it is. And this makes the so, cut, eh? <laughs> I, 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 well, because of this fucking segment we have now. Oh, yeah, that's and why I, I, I will. I, I literally just tuned in for the little segments when, when he visits their home, the hometown. You, you skipped everything else? I skipped everything else. You and can't I, and then the do there. that. Come on. Yes, you can. Are you yes, not you intrigued I, enough to watch the whole thing? I'm. It's an. It's like literally an hour and a half. No, it's an hour. That's like a hockey game. It's an hour. Each episode's like an hour and a half. No. Uh, yes. It's two hours with commercials, so it's like an hour and a half of like actual viewership. Hmm. Baloney. <laughs> regardless. <laughs> regardless. <laughs> Because they want to appetize all the people, you know, watching at home who, of course. who have their fucking viewing parties and who love this shit. Mm-hmm. Diehards. Yep. It's like Game yep. of Thrones. Yep. It's like Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, yeah, we, we had these hometowns. And the reason I, I think you were sweating during this episode, particularly come the end of the episode, is your gal, Cassie. Oof. She, she uh, things were not looking good, were they? No, Nick. I mean... I mean, as as a Cassie fan, we're all just kind of sweating here because she can't get the words out. All these other women seem to be saying all the right things. And then Cassie's just kind of out there, not been able to to really pony up the words. And then the worst part, Nick, was that in this episode, we got a little taste of uh, of the teenager that uh, reared its ugly head in this in this episode. There's There's a sleeping, immature little girl in there. And uh, and she came out, and it was uh, it was pretty ugly. And I'm referring mostly to that uh, that conversation she had with her dad, which was just like, oh, it was just cringy the whole time. <laughs> Were you not getting that? Where that she was just like, no, oh my god, I know, like just yeah. yeah, just trust me, like Duh. it's like, oh my oh, god, shut 23 up. Twenty three year old showing, right? Exactly, exactly. Like that's the first I mean, time it, we've yeah. seen a flash of super immaturity, and it it, it yeah. wasn't a good look. It simply wasn't no, a good it was, look. It was not a good look. I'm sure it surprised others just as much as is it is it surprised us. And the bottom line is the dad was having none of it. You know, no. the, the the guy he got the consent to propose from all the fathers. You know, gave them a big hug. They they seem like you know like homies. And it was just yeah. awkward with the with with her dad. Like they just yeah. left on an awkward note. It's the only and, one he didn't uh, get it from. Yeah, and I, I was sure she was going home. I thought it was Dunzo. Mm-hmm. And uh, and like I said, you must have been sweating, but it, it didn't end up going that way. Uh, he sent the other gal home, her friend, and uh, and she lives to see another day. I was shocked, Nick. I, I'm not going to lie. They, they had me duped. They they totally pulled a fast one on me because I was sure. She, I was like, yeah, this is, you know, this is the end of the line. It all adds up. Logically, this is going to happen. And then boom. Right there, wouldn't you know it, it's Kaylin who's going home. And we all just take a big exhale, and uh, we live to see another another week. And tomorrow's going to be amazing. Like, what an episode we have tomorrow. You fantasy Suites. Oh, Fantasy Suites and that preview left, left oh. you in pretty... pretty the fence jump. Suspense. Yeah. The fence jump. <laughs> what we've all been waiting for all year is finally coming. The fence jump. And, uh... <laughs> I, I think it's sure to uh, it's sure to please the the fans, so that'll that that that's gonna this is like the playoffs of the Bachelor, right? Like it's right. it's yeah, now down to the wire. Put it. 
That's so, a very good way to put it. Fantasy playoffs co- coexist with bachelor playoffs, and this is fantastic. Right, right. Well, one last thing I'll say before we move on here, because it's gone on long enough. As it oh, has. yeah, long enough, yes. Um, I am kind of rooting for uh, for Tasha here. Get real here, Nick. I, I had a I, – listen, before I left home this past week, I, I spoke to my mom, who's been a long-time Bachelor fan since 2002 oh, when the show shit. started. She says, Nick, in the history of The Bachelor, there has not been one interracial couple. Ooh. Never happened. It's never happened. Wow. You, it's, you've never had a black bachelor or a bachelor, you know, white bachelor marry a black bachelor. A bachelor. It just hasn't happened. But why do you think that makes this more likely to happen now? Oh, I, I don't. I, I don't. I'm not predicting it. But if I'm oh. hoping, like if I have a hope, if I have a if I'm wishful thinking here. Oh, I, I think it would be really something to have our first bachelor <clears throat> interracial couple. So you are now again doing the Nick thing, chasing the storyline. Chasing this, yes, the journalist in me is chasing the storyline. This would break barriers. We've already had it in the Bachelorette. We had a Bachelorette who was black. Mm. Um, this this would be really something if mm. uh, if we could finish finish the uh, the cycle here. Very interesting. Well, I don't uh, I don't fault you for that. I just uh, I don't like her ever since she she went on that rumor starting rant. So she can, uh, but although I might I might say she's the most normal of the group. But uh, we'll we'll leave it at that. We'll let it we'll let it simmer there, yeah, and we'll that. leave the bachelor for next week. But it's going to be exciting, very exciting. But uh, now, Nick, what's, the, what's coming up? What do we have here, Nick? Well, well, let, let's do Guy Boucher first. Just quickly get this out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so poor guy was fired. Actually, I, I call it more of a mercy fire. I I think this is a long time coming, and I I don't blame Guy Boucher one single bit for what's gone on here. I think it's more time. It was more just time to move on from this guy in uh, in the Ottawa Senators organization, and uh, they got Mark Crawford as the uh, the interim here, and uh, you know just ride out the season and they're gonna look for their next guy. But uh, I hope Guy Boucher lands on his feet because I think he's a really good coach, from what I can see. Um, I don't know about his assistants there, like uh, fucking what's the guy's name uh, that Duchesne called out. Oh, uh, Raymond. Ra- Marty Ramond. Yeah, maybe keep that guy uh, in, in Ottawa for one more year, but I'm sure Guy Boucher will be fine because I'm a fan of his. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's not forget this This was the man who, uh, you know, bought, almost bought himself a home in Toronto, almost moved his family there. Thought oh, was, yeah. Thought he was getting hired. The big until, controversy. Uh, until the big Babs, you know, rejected Buffalo and uh, and made his way over to Toronto. And put a guy boot. out of a job. He's like, yeah, sorry, man. I'm the king here. Jesus Christ, what an ass. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, hey, this guy's got a pedigree. Um, he's been with successful organizations. He's made it deep into the playoffs with uh, Tampa Bay and Ottawa. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I think he's going to be fine. I just think what's making headlines and why, why I brought this topic up um, for why we should talk about it this week is just the way it was handled, right? Mm. Would you not agree? Um, how was it handled in a, in, in a weird, I just heard that he was fired. I didn't really look into he, it too much. Basically like after the trade deadline, they was, uh, our, our boy, Pierre, Pierre Dorian kind of gave a state of the union address. Yeah. And, uh, and when they asked him about Guy Boucher, he said, oh, Hey, listen, yeah. the guy's our coach. We're going to support him. You know, he, we've, we, we, we've got his back. 
there was like this came out of nowhere on Friday morning when I woke up to this news, and it and it caught everyone else by surprise for that very reason. Hmm. And now people are just throwing it into the long <laughs> list of you know terrible things that have have gone wrong with this organization hmm. and, and management and how they've handled their their talent and and now their their coaching staff. It's just it's they're call, they're calling it disrespectful and. You know, they're saying Melnick and Pierre should be ashamed for how they Wow. Because, like, let the season play out first, right? Let the season play out. They said we're going to reevaluate it at the end of the year, as as it, they usually do with these with these coaches. Usually they get fired, at, you know, come the last game of the season. That's just how it works. That's standard mm. protocol. But here they lead you on thinking he's going to be good for the next couple months, and, and now he gets the can. Oh, my God. Do you... Do you think they did this just to make him a scapegoat for all the trade center drama? No, like I, let's I let's take reason. our take our spotlight away from our stupidity and put it on this. Uh, let's put Guy Boucher firing in the spotlight instead of our stupid shit. Hey, that's a that's a thoughtful presumption, <laughs> and there might be merit to that. Thanks, but I have another reason. Okay, let's hear it. I have a feeling Melnick. They lost to Ottawa the night before that firing. Melnick gets out of bed, looks at the standings as he does every morning, and sees Ottawa dead last with a five-point difference, something like that, between them and, and the Kings. It's nasty. 30th. Yeah. And he goes, "Well, shit, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna lose. We're gonna Colorado's gonna get the first overall pick, and, <laughs> and it's a... gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be the cherry on top of just this debacle." That I'm getting ostracized for, Oof. and so and so I got to make a coaching change. And historically, when you make a coaching change, it kicks the players in the ass. They play harder. They get on a roll, and we got to get out of the basement here. Oh this my to god! Me, this to me is a last ditch effort by this management group to try to just move up a spot or two so they can make their odds a little better <clears throat> of not looking like buffoons. For taking for taking Brady Kachuk in last year's draft instead of wow. on to their their Colorado pick. That's what I think this is all about. If that is the case, Nick, it's way more sad than what I fucking said. Because if these guys think that after this deadline they're going anywhere but down, they're stupid and crazy. A coaching change, Mark freaking Crawford, he's not gonna solve shit. And I think the quote was when uh, when they fired Gee, they said, "We don't like the habits that our players are showing lately, uh, and we just wanted a change here." And I'm just like, "You guys are so, so rude, man. The habits that you guys are forming, come on, that's brutal. I don't like that at all. Maybe maybe he was maybe he was mouthing off, Nick. Maybe Guy Boucher was finally say, stepping up and saying his piece." About how stupid everyone was, and uh, and they were just like, nope, we got, we got to get rid of this guy. He's uh, he's not fitting into the long term picture here, and uh, maybe that's why he went. What a what a joke this guy is. Melnick. Yeah, I mean, you're 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 putting it's a last. You're basically putting this last ditch effort ahead of human beings, personalities, people you want to treat with respect, dignity. Yes. And 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 you're just throwing it out the wayside. His family, his kids, all that all that stuff. And, and and over a long shot to move up a couple spots in the standings to, to give yourself like a 5% chance better of, of, of not having Colorado get that first pick. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. 
And for the record, I think Colorado, the the way the the draft race is shaping up, I think one and number two are very, very close in caliber. I'm talking about Hughes and Kako. So all of a sudden it becomes if Colorado gets one of those two guys, they can basically call it a first overall. And either of those guys will make Brady Kachuk look like a like a like a horse, like a like a, a piece of crap. So I think it it's just become harder and harder on these guys and I wouldn't be surprised if they're starting to feel the pinch here about this uh, this draft pick. Yeah, I mean, and it's a lot of pressure on those players. I mean, your first line now is oh, Chris God. Tierney. I don't want to know. Tierney, Chris <laughs> Tierney, Brady Kachuk, and Colin White's your top. Oh. Sorry, kids. You're going to have to carry this load here. Oh, my God. 19-year-old. Yeah. They, they, the they, they got spanked in Tampa. Oh, I'm sure they did. Like, like you would, like you'd guess. But then they did play in Florida tonight. They beat Florida, so the Crawford era is is actually not is actually you know going pretty steady so far. You know what? I I didn't watch the game, but I, I gotta I gotta commend John Cooper here. I'm sure there was a little bit of let's go easy on these guys after it was five one. There must so, have eh? been. I think if they really wanted to, they could have put up ten goals against these guys. If they really wanted to, but hmm. maybe Ottawa's just going to switch into like a defensive shutdown, everything, clog up everything you can, don't worry about scoring kind of team. But Nick, yeah, who knows? we should move on to the trades. We should. Yes, I'll, I'll save my uh, my story for the end, just because we're 20 minutes in now and we should, uh, we should probably get going here. Um, but let's begin. And uh, the way we're going to do this, guys, mostly is... Uh, for the most part, we're going to go chronological again after the Duchesne trade. And uh, we'll just say who went where in the deal. And then we'll give our opinions on the trade as well as the outlook for the teams involved. So, uh, well, this uh, we might as well start with Columbus because I'm just going to package all their guys together here and just talk about them as a whole. So Columbus acquires Duchesne, Dezingle, Kincaid, McQuaid. They essentially didn't give up any legitimate roster players, if you don't count Duclair, uh, but they did give up a lot of picks, a lot of nice high picks. So a lot of value went the other way, but they've really bolstered their roster here, Nick. <coughs> so I think Dezingle, because we, we did do Shane, I think Dezingle is a legitimate middle six guy. I think he, ma he makes that forward group look a lot more deep on paper. Uh, McQuaid, he, he addresses a, a heart and soul character ad for this group who some would say they lack a little bit of character so far. I mean, you've got guys who want to leave, you got this and that. So McQuaid kind of rubs off this energy of, I'm kind of willing to do anything to help this team win kind of thing. And I think they really need that. They, he also adds some toughness and, uh, some just, you know, grit to the bottom half of the, the defense core. So I like those two moves a lot. Uh, and then Kincaid, uh, you know, Kincaid's a, a, a decent, um, you know, in, insurance goalie, if, if you will, in case things go totally south. Um, now, that's here's the thing, Nick. This is where things get a little tricky and dicey. Uh, the roster looks great. I think the roster looks amazing on paper. Right now, I don't think they're in a playoff spot as we speak right now. Uh, they got a game tonight, but right now they're not in a spot. Uh, how do you uh, how do you think this trade shakes out so far as a team of Columbus who is 
all chips in, full go, and uh, we're going to go for this thing. Well, as you know, I had him pegged into the playoffs even before this trade. I was high on this team regardless. Mm. You know, maybe even win the Metro. So I, I immediately, I, I liked it, and I and I made that point earlier. I said, you know, you already got bad news when you were told the UFAs weren't coming back. So at this point, you may as well just make the best of this situation, add up all your guys, make the most of having these two UFAs on your team, and make a push. Salvage the future. I don't care. And to me, you didn't even, you know, just destroy your future prospect crops because you didn't trade your best prospects. You traded some B prospects and some picks. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's not a big deal. So to me, I love the deal. I love McQuaid. I, I think the Leafs should have got him. Right Ooh. shot. He used to play for Boston. I think the Leafs really could have needed and needed him, especially when you look at their depth now with all the injuries. They're falling flies on the de- on the Leafs yeah. pairings. No, that's a good point. Um, so I I think you know I think Kekalainen outsmarted Dubis on that one, and uh, you know I I I love I love the moves and and we're gonna see what happens. I know they're not right in a playoff spot right now, but I think they'll certainly get in. Um, very very tight between them, Carolina, Montreal, Pittsburgh. Um, you know Islanders and Washington look pretty good, but those first four teams I just mentioned all look to be fighting for a spot. So I I think they'll get in. I like the move. I think it was the only move they had given the circumstances. And uh, I kudos, kudos to Yarmo. He's 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 got he's got you know he's got a he's Yarmo. got quite the cojones. He's got the cojones to make a deal like this. He's he's put his chips all in and, and yeah. I commend him for it. Yeah, and yeah, Nick. I I think I I like this team in uh, to make the playoffs as well. Uh, what I will say is is they really want to avoid that Atlantic bracket. If if they can stay in the metro bracket somehow by getting uh, the number one wild card spot or even jumping into that top three in the metro, then I think they've got a good shot at coming out of the east uh, the east finals or getting to the east finals. I I really think that they they can match up against a, a Pittsburgh an Island, Islanders team even a Washington. I think they can have their second shot and and find a way to win against those teams. Uh, I think this hinges on three key personalities here, Nick, how this is all going to shake out. Um, first first is Torts. So how is Torts going to pull this roster together to get these personalities to gel, to get uh, the outside noise, if you will, to to just kind of settle itself down? We, we, we're talking about Bobrovsky, Panarin, and people are going to be on these guys all the time. Every time they lose, they're going to be like, what if these guys traded all this shit and don't make the playoffs? So Torts is going to be a massive figure in, in the way things go here. Uh, next is going to be Bobrovsky, and that's an obvious one. He doesn't really want to be there, but you know what? It's a, it's crunch time. It's playoffs time, but he's never been a really great playoff goalie. So can he step up and prove himself? Uh, he's also playing for money here. He's on a, He's on a contract year, so that's huge. And then uh, something I mentioned last week really quickly is uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. And can he carry that uh, that second line on his own and really um, yeah, find a way to mesh with guys like Dezingle and, and those kinds of guys to create a really strong depth kind of uh, high-powered scoring there. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I think, uh, I think they've got a really good shot here if they can stay in the Metro bracket. But after this, you're, you're looking at couple years of just being a uh, not a horrible team not not a great team just a mediocre team i think for a good couple of years if none of these guys sign back 
So uh, it looks it looks pretty interesting for Columbus. I think I think they've got a shot here, Nick. I, I like what they've done. Now, uh, other than Columbus, who made some <laughs> marquee moves before the deadline, the biggest move on the on the day of the deadline was, of course, Mark Stone being shipped to the Vegas Golden Knights. Kyle, what did you make of this deal? I know you're not too high on Vegas as a team in general, but uh, boy, oh boy, after this move, you got to like them. Nick, there's a lot to digest here, a lot to digest. And what I'll start with is the biggest part of this trade is the swapping of the Lindberghs. A very right. underrated point is we're just two teams who, are, who both have a Lindbergh and they're just swapping the Lindberghs. I could not believe my eyes when I saw this. I'm like, like who thought of this? Like, did they just, oh, let's throw Oscar in there because it'd be hilarious. So we've got Vegas acquiring Mark Stone and Tobias Lindbergh and Ottawa acquiring Brandstrom, Oscar Lindbergh, and a 2020 second rounder. Now, Nick, I got to say, what was your initial, initial, right off the bat reaction to this trade? Oh, to, to me, I just, I, Vegas elevated miles up in my power rankings. Mm. I, uh, I had them in the bottom of the pits in the, in the, I had them making the playoffs, but I didn't have them at the top. I had San Jose at the top, Winnipeg at the top, Nashville at the top, all three of those teams above them, maybe even Calgary too. And, mm. and after this move, Mark Stone, this guy's Mr. Playoffs. This guy's Mr. Big time clutch factor player. This guy is just character running all over him. He's, he just tries hard, so hard every time you see him on the ice. You want him on your playoff roster. And the fact that Vegas got him, who already have arguably the best goalie in the league, and, a, in my opinion, a very underrated defense core, mm. uh, this, is this to me, might tip things in their favor. I, I, I was very high on San Jose. You know I'm a huge San Jose guy. But I don't know. Like, if... if uh, I don't know what to tell you. Like, if if they go one v one, San Jose Vegas, I'm having a hard time picking San Jose right now. Wow. So yes, uh, yes. Let let's let's dive into this this Vegas team. Is they're just so full of tricks here. And and one thing I want to say before I jump in here is we have to pay respect to obviously everyone always gives them credit for that 2017 year and how they built this this team and of course i'm referring to 1718 but we have to really look at how they drafted in that year because they were given three first over three first rounders they had cody glass they had nick suzuki and they had this brandstrom guy and nick what i have to tell you about this brandstrom guy is people are talking about this guy as, as just a slight step behind your guys like kale mccarr and quinn hughes this is a very very legitimate prospect so we have to really tip our hats to them just acquiring, like picking these assets up. Like they've turned these assets into legitimate players, and now they're looking like one of the favorites out of the West. It, it's it's shocking when you see the roster. Like last year, we're like oh, a bunch of fucking no names, and now it's like, oh my god, this could be this could be deadly. And I think they're legitimate in every way, right up and down, depth, you name it. Before this, Nick Alex Tuck was their number one scorer. He's slotted on the third line right now. That that's what their that's what their uh, their depth is looking like. Um and I, you mentioned some other teams in the west some some heavyweights. I put them ahead of guys like San Jose and Calgary right now. 
I think they're on par in, in terms of shot and talent with like a Winnipeg Nashville. But I don't see I don't see Calgary lasting a, a seven game series with this team. No way. San Jose is another story. I think they've got more tricks up their sleeve than I give them credit for. But I don't, I think those three teams that I mentioned there, Winnipeg, Nashville, and now Vegas, they're all they're all looking like the the heavyweights here. Yeah, it's going to be really tight, and as everyone knows, that's a very tough building to play in come playoff time. Mm-hmm. So if if they can get home ice in a series, I mean that would be huge. I just man, uh, if there was anything lacking on this team, it was depth up front. I, I know you guys got like March or so, Carlson, Pacioretty, Stasny, but you needed another piece, and this is like above mm. and beyond what I think they needed. And so that's why I'm so high on them now. Not to mention they just came off a run. They got the veteran experience. Uh, they know what it is like to play on a big stage. I thought this team was going to be one and done this playoffs. It was a great story last year, and that was it. And it seems like they've just flipped the script here. So yeah. uh, very excited about that. Um, yeah, and, and like you said with Ottawa, I thought it was a good. It was finally a good return for them after what mm-hmm. a lot would call some terrible moves from Pierre Dorian. Uh, not getting enough for any of the deals he'd made, whether it be Carlson, Duchesne, Zingle, you name it. But this certainly was a big win. I mean, if you weren't going to get that top line center, there's glass. Uh, yeah. Getting this defenseman, I think, was a was a very good, um, you know, uh, like runner up, runner hmm. up trophy. You know. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be hundred percent honest, Nick. When I was watching this trade break, and the first thing it said was like Mark Stone has been traded to Vegas. Uh, yeah, and and the first thing I said to to the people around me, I said they better be getting Cody Glass. If they don't get a first mm-hmm. rounder, they better be getting Cody Glass, or this is a loss. So when I saw Brandstrom and the second, I uh, the my immediate reaction was this is not good for for Ottawa. But then of course I I had to do a little bit of research into the kid, and I'll admit I wasn't very studied up on him. And he's he's like I said he's. He's a very, very, very highly regarded guy. Maybe a little bit sheltered because he was in in Vegas, but uh, he's a small defender, five foot ten, but he moves really, really well and has excellent vision. I think I'd like to compare him to like an upgraded Sam Gerrard in the way he plays because he's just so good on the breakout, fantastic skater, and uh, hopefully he can add some uh, a bit of mass to him. But uh, hey, if if you're getting an upgraded Sam Gerrard. And you're you're picturing him beside Thomas Shabbat for years to come. It's 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 a good picture, Nick. Like th- this guy's legitimate, and it just means that you don't have to wait and and put so much chance into like a first rounder. Like if this was a 2019 first, it like what are you really gonna do with that? That it's a it's a 50 50 shot. It becomes a player, and it's there's no way it would be a guy like Brandstrom. So I think this is a real win for Ottawa once you really look at it. And I think they're all very excited for their uh, the future of their D in uh, in in the the capital of of Canada there. Yeah, I mean uh, him him and him and that French Canadian Chabot. I mean, oh, that, that's a great, that's a lethal combo. Yeah, um, that that's for sure. So good good on Pierre on that one. Now moving on because we still got a few moves to dissect here. Oh yeah, uh, rivals of Vegas, Winnipeg and Nashville made big moves winnipeg started it off with acquiring kevin hayes yep the yep, uh, yep, yep, the, yep. the the boston boy yep. the boston accent the character <sighs> beyond belief i loved this deal i know you didn't um, correct I, I i thought 
you know, that not only a, a guy who can produce a big body that could, you know, distribute the puck to guys like uh, Ehlers and, and Connor and, and really finish, help insulate that second line there and help on the second power play. He's just a perfect depth defenseman. He's like what Pat, Paul Stasny provided last year. He's exactly what they need. And like I said, character beyond the roof, a kind of guy you want on your playoff roster. So I was a, I was a big fan of that one. Um, and then, of course, their other rival, Nashville, added uh, Michael Granlund and, and, and Wayne Simmons, who, again, I, I love the Simmons move. I don't think they gave up too much for him. I think it was like Ryan Hartman and a pick, uh, not a very high pick. And uh, Simmons, and I think he's going to fit in great there. Him and PK are good pals. He's going to help out on their power play right now. And and, and Granlin, this is a guy who's too underrated, under the radar kind of guy. He got under, you know, just under 70 points the last two years. So the fact they added him for, what was it? I think it was just... Uh, 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 it was Fiala, just Fiala. Fiala. Yeah, the fact it was just Fiala for him 1v1, I, I kind of like that return. And, uh, yeah, I think Nashville and Winnipeg really bolster the rosters here. So what did you make of both moves? Uh, I'll start I'll start with the Hayes. I mean, uh, when I saw this, again, I, I did not like the first look at this, Nick. And I, it, it's going to have to grow on me because I, I always saw Kevin Hayes as like a, a third-line center on a good team. And on a second line center on a bad team, like the guy's career high is forty nine points, and he's twenty six now. Mind you, he's having a, a super breakout year, but the guy's career career high is forty nine points. I I just uh, I don't I don't know why everyone was tabbing this guy as this guy's a legit second line center, and uh, and it's going to be a great fit. And I'm like, come on, guys, and. and I want to know where you got this whole character thing. Like, who who, who are you getting this information from? The character line, the the Spit and Chicklets podcast. He, he's been on the podcast a couple times, and this guy's a great guy. Just character beyond through the roof. Super oh, funny guy. Shit. I think he's gonna add a lot to that dressing room. The thing is, <clears throat> I don't know. Like a lot of these top teams, and because when as soon as this trade was made, I looked at your top guns your top teams and I looked at the center depth and a lot of our favorite teams here they've got great one-two punches you see that in Tampa you see that in Toronto Pittsburgh Washington now uh, Columbus and a lot of these teams actually don't have a, a very star-studded second line center like Nashville they have they have tourists uh, Stastny in, in Vegas who I think is better than Hayes to be to be totally fair, uh, and I, I see now that uh, Brian Little has moved to the wing. So you got, I think, is it Corey Cop on on the third line there, in in Winnipeg? I, I just don't know. Like I don't know enough about this Kevin Hayes guy, but I was watching him earlier today against uh, against Columbus there, and he looked a little slow, man. I'm telling you, like if you have Kevin Hayes playing with Patrick Laine, you might have the slowest second line. In the entire NHL, I don't like that. The guy's huge. The guy just—he's he, massive. I don't know how tall he is, but he just looks like a brick out there. Yeah, I mean, he's—he is what he is—a power forward. Uh, you know, you may say it's a—it's a—it's a dying phenomenon in the NHL nowadays, given where the game's headed with speed and skill. Hmm. But I think there's still a place for it, especially when you need to win 16 hard-nosed games in the playoffs. 
And and when you already have a you know excellent center in Shifley on your first line, I think you know Hayes is more than adequate for a second line role. Mm. And and he'll provide secondary offense. He doesn't have to be the guy. He's just there for depth scoring, De- uh, second power play, second line. You know uh, he can pass the puck to Ehlers. You know you got a quick guy like Ehlers with a with a big power forward distributor like Hayes. I think it's a good duo. Yeah, and, and I think it's really going to help. Uh, you know, Ehlers is a fantasy impact now that he has an actual center to play with here. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I'm not, I'm not down on it. I like it. Like I said from the top, and and like, yeah, I think you're gonna have to wait to see what he does in the playoffs. I think that's when really this trade will come into fruition, and we can evaluate it for real. Is <laughs> yeah. the playoffs here? Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll wait and see. But for now, I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more th- quick thing I want to say on Vegas and uh, uh, more, one of their more underrated trades because, or sorry, sorry, Winnipeg, because I know they made a flurry of trades right at the end. Uh, they acquired Matt Hendricks uh, and uh, Matt Hendricks from Minnesota, Nick. And why this is a very key move is because of an interview from Bruce Boudreaux, the maniacal raging moron. He said, Matt Hendricks was his favorite player that he ever coached this guy's got character out the wazoo like no one else we've ever heard of apparently based on this interview he said i know why they picked him up and and you know matt Hendricks was in winnipeg early like earlier in his career and this is just to me it's like we need this guy in the room for this run so i think that was a very very silky move by uh by shovel day of there I, th- I like that a lot um, now let's get to the the Nashville guys really quick. I gotta say that Grandland trade knocked me off my freaking chair. Like they they sh- they shafted Minnesota hard. I I, th- I think Fiala's pro- I think a bit younger and I think he's a fine player. But Grandland is a legit legit like s- top tier second liner or even a first liner. This guy's awesome. I don't I don't mm. understand how this was a one for one deal. Um, I simply don't know what Minnesota was doing. And Granlin's on a friendly contract. He's making about 5.7. And he's got a year left on it even after this year. So uh, it, it just makes Nashville look like they fleeced Minnesota hard here. And then to talk about another crazy trade. Simmons, they got for Ryan Hartman in a conditional fourth? Like, if that was all you had to give up for Simmons... Mm-hmm. It looks like a last-minute, oh, shit, we don't have anything else to give kind of deal. It, it's just, that one blew my mind, too. We are all kind of scratching our heads because, you know, Simmons is a is a character guy. Again, we're using the word a lot, but, I mean, I'm sure you saw the, the Philadelphia tribute speech in, in the dressing room after the the, uh, the outdoor game there. Those guys seem to really love Simmons in that room. And uh, and he he looked like he was a really key part of that uh, that group character wise. So Nashville is getting a top quality skill guy in Granland, and a and a top quality grinder uh, who can score character guy in Simmons. And this just looks awesome for Nashville. I think these guys were quietly one of the one of the bandits of this draft. I mean, and Hartman going the other way, big big freaking deal for these guys his career high is 31 points now i know he's pretty young but uh you know he's he's a bona fide bottom sixer absolutely so way to way to go on nashville that that's awesome for them makes them really scary too yeah i mean i think pierre said it best it, it was an arms race in the 
You know, all these teams adding these major players. Yeah. And and it's going to be a hell of a playoffs and oh. how it all plays out. Win- Winnipeg gets their center. Nashville gets the forwards that they needed given, you know, they're struggling on offense. We all, we all know they have the goaltender and the defense to win a cup, but they don't yep. have quite the scoring touch. This is really going to go a long way in helping in that regard. Um, Vegas gets the big stud and stone. Uh, Sharks, they add some low-key depth, as they usually do, acquiring Gustav Nykvist, kind of an under-the-radar, you know, very Doug Wilson kind of move in in, in Mm -hmm. San Jose that he's known for. So all these teams adding and adding. Uh, Even even Calgary got a guy called Fantenberg on D. This guy used to be in L.A. I'm very high on this guy. Not a lot of people know him. Schmeh. I think he's 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 a good depth he's a good depth defenseman. So uh, hey, I'm I, I the West was fascinating. Oh yeah, and uh, and and because of that, the East they kind of got you know they kind of got shanked on a lot of these deals. No, yeah. no real big acquisitions. Acquisitions. I mean, Johansson goes to the Bruins. They needed some depth on offense. Mm. They get that. The Leafs they get uh, Peter Pan Patan. Oh, uh, to, I have to, to say something on this to solidify the fourth line. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot more quiet in the East, right? Yeah, and I, I think what what we saw, Nick, was one of these tactics emerging from from these deadlines is you're watching your rivals. So when when you, people see Winnipeg make the Hayes move, it starts a chain reaction. Okay, now we have to do this. Now the, we have to do that because Vegas did that. We have to do this because Nashville did that. It starts a chain reaction. And I think that's very much dominated by which conference you're in. So the West guys are looking at the West because, let's be honest, they're they're more focused on the short term when when they're looking at getting through the playoffs. They're not really looking at the East because it could be any one of those guys. Now, when you look at the, the East, we saw Columbus make a bunch of moves. And I thought for sure that we'd see Pittsburgh do something, something, but we didn't see anything from them. And uh, we didn't see anything too much from those East guys, like you said. But I really want to touch on this Nick Patan move because I think it's underrated in in several ways. <clears throat> so Nick Patan was a legend in junior hockey. He went to Memorial Cup Finals where he lost to the Halifax Mooseheads of the Jonathan Druan and McKinnon era. Like, there's no way he's winning there. He went to two World Juniors, one winning gold. Um... He never got his shot in Winnipeg for, you know, various reasons. Some say depth, some say he just didn't really fit in. But make no mistake, Nick, they got a guy who's still got top six potential in him in him somewhere. I know he's he's gonna slot into the fourth line and there's simply no room for him on this team. But he's really skilled. And I, and I think Dubas absolutely loves this guy. Like uh Patan scored his first goal the other day. And I think Dubas was celebrating harder than Patan was. He was giving high fives to to all his associates in the box. It was amazing to watch. And uh, the biggest thing here, Nick, is that uh, we added a little bit more flow to the Leafs bench, which is great in term in terms of hair. The guy look the guy top looks three, like a top three for sure. The guy looks like a legend out there. It looks amazing. So we've added beard power with Muzzin and flow with Patan. Right. This team's ready for a run. This team's ready. Okay, simmer down. <laughs> Nick Patan will be the... You know what, Nick? I'm not kidding when I say this. Nick Patan might be my favorite player on the Leafs right now. Okay, simmer down. I, d- I just want to see him win. I want to see him win. The reality is this team did not address their most glaring need. No. Oh, God, no. 
and uh, and it's really coming back to nick them in the ass right here. I think because uh, this yeah, is, this is bad. They they needed to add another defenseman. Everyone's been saying it, and literally the day after the deadline, they lose Gardner, they lose Dermot, and and now you're rocking Marinson, Oshaganov, and and Hole. It's a comedy. You're five six. It's a it's comedy. It's amazing. Brutal. You're gonna you're gonna now now you're gonna lose home ice. There, there's no way you're catching Boston with oh, that no. D for the next four weeks. Forget you're, it. Uh, now you lost home ice and you're in the same position as last year versus Boston, and they get they get the advantage. Yep. on home ice. Yep, 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 yep. And so we saw. I, I'm not I'm not pleased, and and uh, it's I know Dubas. He's bullish on his defense. We've been saying it for a while, but they they needed to address the need, and if they don't make it in the playoffs. People are going to point back to this. I certainly am going to point back to this and, and oh, hold yeah. Kyle Dubas accountable. And you said it yourself, McQuaid. How how much did it take to get that guy? It was a fourth rounder, something not, like that. Not a whole lot, exactly. Simmons, how much did it take? You could have fucking had, You could have given your half your shit for Simmons at that rate. Like, come on, man. The, he it, it's like he just kind of sat back on his laurels and said. I did my Muzzin move. I might do a Nick Patan move, and I think I'm good. Like at some point, I know, and the the whole skill thing. Oh, we're a skilled team, and that's all we need. I mean, you can't. You need balance. At the end of the day, we look at the Islanders game. If if we want to have an example, the Islanders played them tough, and the Islanders have some of the some of the best fourth line guys in the entire NHL. You've got guys like. Clutterbuck and Martin, who were just just scrappy, grinding guys, and even even Komarov and, and these kinds of guys, and you saw the Leafs just uh, kind of put the tail between the legs and and let this game play out uh, as it would, and it was some people, including Bob McKenzie, who you know you might know him, they said it looks like there's a blueprint to beat the Leafs, and that's what it looked like. It it looks like. Some of these games where it gets tough, he called it the blueprint to beating the Leafs. And wouldn't you know it, I think the Boston Bruins play that game very well, which is uh, which is quite quite uh, disheartening for Leafs fans here. Yeah, I think that's very well put. And uh, I think, you know, any Leafs fan, I don't care how bullish you are on the team and how biased you may be, I think everyone, you you got to be honest with yourself at this point and really recognize that there was a there was an opportunity there to make your team better mm. in a year that a lot of people are saying this might be your biggest chance, given you have all those upcoming RFAs still under contract, the Kapanins and the Janssens of the world, yeah. the Gardners. Uh, this to me is a head scratcher, and uh, you know I I think it has this along with the uh, the Garrett Sparks over McElhenney move in, in, before the season Ooh. are kind of the two things that that Dubas is going to be saddled with here in terms of things he didn't really get right. Hey, I could be wrong. Maybe they win the cup this year. Who knows? Maybe they resign Gardner. I don't know, but I'm a little confused. Yes, and again, it's one of those wait and see, time will tell, but it just seems like every time the Leafs get... Oh no, I, I heard a stat, Nick. It's it's very telling that whenever the Leafs have played a top five defensive team, I think that's how the line went, they're like three for eight. They're they're trash. When they, when they play a, a team that has any sort of focus on defense and, and shutting down, they're, they're bad. 
like they're three and eight. They're just they they haven't gotten it done, and uh, it's. I'm telling you, if they lose in the first round, and I know it, like management's done a great job, and the 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 Shanna plan, you know, the Shanna plan's gone so well. Drafted nice young guys, like oh, this is awesome. People are gonna be talking like crazy if they don't win one round. Could you imagine all this, all this building, all this momentum, all the storylines, all the rubbing it in the face of Montreal Canadiens fans every time they beat them, and they don't win a round this year? It's insane. You got Tavares, and and where and where are you? But like, we're not there yet, Nick. We're not there yet. They might they might surprise us, but uh, we. <laughs> We uh we we've got a lot more to see. Let's just say that there's no nothing set in stone right now, and there's a lot to see. But let you want to quickly touch on the the uh, the Islanders Tavares saga that happened on Thursday. You know, I I think it's fitting we do. I mean, you mentioned top five defensive teams. Well, it just so happens they had to go into the Nassau Coliseum and play the best defensive team in hockey. <clears throat> Indeed, and they boy, did. Boy oh boy, boy oh boy, did they lay an egg. They did, and this is so bad. disappointing, because, I mean, it, it drew such a, it drew such an interest from fans around the league, not just Toronto and Islanders fans around the league, because this was the big move. It was the big Tavares rematch versus Islanders in their building, so we all knew it would be nasty. We all knew there'd be some booze, some some hilarious chants. And I tuned in for the whole game, despite being in a commercial, Nick. I was in a commercial watching this game. I was a background figure in a <laughs> craft Crave commercial. And I was watching the game while they were shooting these lines. I'm not kidding. Jeez, I had a headphone crazy. in with my phone kind of in the corner. And it was just, uh, it was hilarious. But I, I will say, and it's just like a personal thing. I don't know what came over me. But I was sort of cheering for the Islanders in this one. I wanted them to see, I wanted to see them get their redemption. I wanted them to get closure on this whole business, and uh, I wanted them to just have their satisfying victory, and for us to put this all to bed. Because I think this was closure in a lot of ways. And what we saw was an Islanders team just hungry, and and fired up, and that building sounded amazing. And not just when they were saying horrible things, but when they were cheering on the Islanders, it sounded like a full-on playoff game, Nick. It was really incredible. That building's acoustics are on point. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it, I called it the most anticipated game of the year. It, it was my most anticipated game of the regular season. Wow. And, and, it, and it did not disappoint. I thought TSN did a great job with the pregame. You got to see Tavares' entire warm-up. The snakes thrown onto the ice. Yeah. The, the the jersey thrown at him as he was coming off the ice for warm-ups. I thought it was all great. Great theater. If you're into just drama and sports, kind of interlocking. Mm. It was it was it was it was it was the best game of the year in my mind. It was the most entertaining game of the year to watch. It well, it may have not been the most competitive. It may have been over thirty minutes in, which it certainly right. was. Yeah. Halfway through that second, you knew where the game was going, who was gonna yep. win. But just that atmosphere the the tribute the way Tavares had to respond it was just it was a it was a hell of a moment and and it lived up to everything I wanted it from it and I like you I was going for the Islanders mm -hmm. I I wanted to see how the Leafs would deal with this adversity 
And and this to me was the most adversity they dealt with since that game seven against Boston where they blew the lead. A raucous atmosphere. Yeah. Where you don't really know how to control yourself. Those young kids, they don't really know what to make of it. No. It was the first time since that game they had to deal with it and they blew it. Oh, and totally. No one respond nobody responded for John Tavares. That that game was supposed to be for John. If there's yeah. any character in that room, they gotta look around and they gotta say, This is for John. And the only guy who stepped up by the looks of it was Zach Hyman. Zach and everyone else, everyone else looked flustered. Mm-hmm. And and it, there's ca- again yet another cause for concern with this Leafs team. There, there seems to be like a lack of character, a lack of big time finish, a lack of Bergeron on this team. Oh, and, and it's and it's it, it frightens me. It, you just it really dropped does. the line. Yeah, to Nick, me it was like, it was like a dress rehearsal for a big playoff game, and absolutely and they blew it. No, exactly. Like this of all of all games, you've got. You know there's pressure. You know there's the atmosphere. Both of those things mimicked playoff level intensity. And they came up and they laid an egg. Now what we saw was, you know, for the first 10 minutes, it looked okay. You know, it looked like we might have a, a, a game here. A back and forth game. And it looked like right after that disallowed goal, it just fell apart. They're just like, you know what? It almost felt like they're up there too like prima donna, too good for uh too good to like to try in front of this crowd. Like they just got beat down morally. They got beat their uh the morale got beat down by this crowd and they just they just caved. And then what do you, like how can you not try all the way to the end? They it, they just turn into a bunch of little ducklings. It was it was really sad to see. And I, I'm a uh, I feel bad for for Tavares because you know he probably felt so much so much inner turmoil, inner guilt and shame to be just spanked. And I'm sure every single time he touched the puck, he was he was feeling that crowd. So it, it's just again, it's a character check. And and what we saw was they didn't really show up. And uh, it's it's totally it's totally legitimate to be worried about this team. Because it's not the first time this has happened, as you said. But I don't know. Well, we're about to see a, a lot more of those big gut check games. The problem here is Nick, and uh, tell me if you if you think this is this is the same. The way the standings are right now, it's almost like they're in a spot where they can't really catch Boston, but they can't really be caught by Montreal. They're in mm-hmm. such a, a no man's land kind of spot. It's like, are you really being pressured down this stretch here? Because you know they're too far away, Boston. But at the same time, Montreal, you know, they're not going to really catch you. So if you stay, if you stay cruising, they can just stay exactly where they are. There might be some, of, they might be a victim of that down the road. But uh, Mike Babcock is going to have to really wrestle these guys. Like, you got to shake, shake the cage of some of these stars and just kind of say like are you gonna be here for me when when shit hits the fan and when i need you to play a certain way and you can't do it It, it's it's interesting interesting little storyline yeah no i agree it's a tough spot they're in and i don't think boston's too far i just think i see one team the way they're trending i see one the other team the way they're trending and uh to me i just don't think that gap between those two teams is going to get any smaller in the near yeah. future. But one thing I did want to touch on with the Tavares thing <clears throat> is two questions for you. Kay. A, were you were you surprised with the reception? Did you think he was going to get booed or cheered? Like, were you at all surprised? Because I had a friend here in, in Kingston who thought they were going to honor him and cheer for him and 
boy, oh boy, was he wrong. And, and I, my second, my second question, yeah, is do you think it was deserved? Like, what did you think of it? Do you do you think they were in their right to do that, or were you hmm. kind of put off by it and thought it was kind of rude? When I went into this game, I'll, I'll be a hundred percent honest. I thought they would do exactly as they did, except for the video tribute. I thought maybe um, you'd hear a, a decent half-hearted cheer for the video tribute because like you know when you see those highlights old memories come back and just they're happy and you know that that one goal where he put them into the second round that still like really sticks with me against against Florida there so I thought they'd get some cheers there but am I surprised about all the other antics absolutely not I think uh, this was a long time coming I think this has been festering in this fan base for a long time and I feel like this was their one stage, Nick, to really let their voices heard, get have their voices be heard. I think as individual fans, they can all say what they want and you know do this. And but this was their day for like, we're gonna do all this kind of crazy shit. The media is gonna go crazy for us, and we're gonna finally let them know how ex- exactly how we feel. And I think it's it got to a point, Nick, where. There are there are fan there are a good chunk of Islanders fans who are totally fine with jo- what John Tavares did, but the guys who really hated what he did were the guys who were going to buy these tickets. You know what I mean? Like if if those guys who are pissed are going to buy one game this whole year, they're going to pony up maybe even twice the cash so they can let their voices heard in this game. So I'm not really surprised, and to be honest, I I don't really blame them either. Like a lot, a lot of people were actually praising this fan base on their passion, like good, good or bad. This this fan base was just raucous and crazy and passionate. And uh, some guys on the radio even said, "I wish the Leafs fans were more like this." Like our 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 fans don't even sit down for the start of the game. They're too busy eating sushi and caviar. Like it's uh, it's really cool to see a team, a fan base or a crowd just so kind of in sync with each other and all in one kind of kind of motion so I think that was really cool and I think they totally deserve to to say whatever they want I don't like the throwing the jersey thing I mean yeah throwing the snakes on the ice you know you kind of expect goofy stuff like that but don't try to throw it at them like come on that's that's a little immature yeah I I couldn't disagree with you I, I think the fans are in their right to say that um I follow some loyal fans on Twitter and, and, and I get the reasons and I it's not so much why he left or or that he left it's how he left the fact he mm. led them on to saying he was going to sign and ultimately didn't um, it, it, it makes sense and they pay a high price to go to that game and, and they they're it's in their right to to, mm-hmm. to, to you know receive him whatever they would whatever way that they want to mm-hmm. but I I would agree if there was one troubling spot it was that tribute I it was a well done tribute, well done by Lou Lamorello, the yeah. uh, the GM and the players even saluted him. But man, when when some of those shots on the tribute came where he was helping those sick kids and doing the charity work, yeah, and, and they're still booing him during some of that stuff, that made me tremble a little. Like that 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 hurt a little. Yeah, because um, you got, at some point you just got to embrace the past. Like this guy went out of his way to do stuff like that, and you're still giving him shit. Mm-hmm. I mean that 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 was kind of eerie, but. Uh, Hey, other than that, 
It was a raucous house. I can't wait for the the first round. It's going to be played there oh, at yeah. the Nassau Coliseum. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it, it's going to be great. Wow. And uh, I I really hope uh, I really hope it's a, it's a hell of a series. And some people were actually calling that building one of the like one of the top three loudest in the entire NHL, which yeah, is just yeah. an awesome atmosphere to play in. Now I want to ask you quickly, just relating back to the trade deadline with this team, the Islanders didn't do a single thing, Nick. Is that a good move or a bad move for this team? Making no moves. Zero moves. So I think they they saw themselves, like no one really expected them to be in this position, I think, including themselves. So I think they, they, they're kind of sticking to the plan. So I think they're going to ride what they have and uh, and kind of just go from there. So I personally, I didn't mind it. Because I don't want you to mortgage the future because you want to make a run this year. I, I respect Lamorello in, in sticking with his original plan. Yeah, no, to me it was very Lamorellian. I mean, uh, you, you, you keep the lineup intact, keep the chemistry intact, the relationships intact, and uh, you don't really make a huge acquisition. And, and, and I kind of liked it. You don't mortgage the future. You don't trade away a, a top pick like that uh, that skilled forward they have or or that defenseman they recently drafted. Dobson. Um, yeah, Dobson. I mean, like, you don't mortgage the future when you're playing with house money anyways, right? They are playing with house money. No one yeah. saw them being at the, where they were at this point, and they're just going to ride it out and see what happens. And mm. they're not going to make a grand move that's maybe going to ruffle any feathers in the dressing room because to me it looks like top to bottom, line one to line four, they've got he- a hell of chemistry. That fourth yep. line, that that Sezikis Martin line, is just nuts. I mean, I to me they they look just fine. The goaltending's stout. Um, I I I have no problems with what uh, Lamorello did. Yeah. Plus, I th- I think they really feed off that underdog mentality, and I think they've been riding that all year. And if they were to get like a a big name guy, I think that might actually disrupt things a little bit. So an, another good good reason for them to stay put, but. Uh, something a, l- a lot of people were criticizing was Calgary's decision to to do nothing because I mean these guys aren't necessarily in a any sort of retool or rebuild they're just a legitimately good team but do you see this team as a as a a team that should have stayed pat knowing that you know they're out west and all the other guys are building like their main competitors all made significant upgrades and Calgary just stays put especially with the goaltending situation. I, I get not making a goaltending move in the middle of the year, but uh, this is this was a little bit curious to me. I, I think Calgary might have wanted to make a move here. Well, like I said, uh, Kyle, they, they did get uh, Oscar Fantenberg. Oh, come on. What was he, a seventh D? Fantenberg. Fantenberg. No, no. He, I, I looked at that trade and I scratched it from my memory right away. I'm like, <laughs> this is a nothing move. And uh, what else you got? What else you got here? Well, Noth- well, that's nothing. That's nothing. But, but he's busy. He played under Daryl Sutter. He's a five-six defenseman. He's going to be just fine. You know. Um, you know who their I, second I, line center is here? Oh, I agree. They should have added it up front. They should have added up front. Who the hell is Backland? Mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. who he is, but he's not a second line guy on a team looking to make it out of the West. This is ridiculous. This, you know. know what, Nick? Maybe, I'm maybe they're just confident. Maybe <sighs> they're maybe they just like their team. They're they they've won like seven in a row until last night. 
They uh, they they're they're leading San Jose and Vegas by quite a margin. They must like something on this team. I think right? they're overconfident. Like it's not like this is it's not like this is some wild card team that just snuck in and they need a little extra boost. Mm. The fact is, this is the second best team in the NHL, right behind Tampa. Do they really need to make a move given their success to this point? I think they, I think their success to this point is actually screwing them right now because they're is certainly not. Oh, I, maybe a little bit, Nick, but they're certainly not in such an authority position as Tampa to be like, yeah, we're we're good enough to not make a move here. Like if if Winnipeg, Nashville, and Vegas can can build up and, and buck up a couple like a first rounder and and whatnot. I think Calgary is dead in the water this year. I, I don't think they uh they have the capability to make serious, serious noise. And to be honest, Nick, I wouldn't even be surprised if they were knocked out in the first round by some surprise uh like wild card team. I, I it wouldn't blow me away. Like if they play if they face Dallas and we saw some crazy surge from those Dallas guys and Zuccarello starts firing on all cylinders. I wouldn't be surprised if they lose. Fuck, I I don't even I don't like Calgary at all. I'll be honest. Wow, that's that's harsh. Yeah, no, I, I like after the first line, this team doesn't do anything for me. I'm Is, sorry. The D doesn't doesn't the D doesn't uh, get you excited. I I like the D. I I really like the D. D but then but then I look at the goaltending. I'm like, I don't trust these guys. There's no way I trust these guys. Mike Smith and freaking Riddick. I don't trust Smith. I think that guy should retire. Exactly, he's, but he's just bad. That guy belongs in beer league. But are they gonna be? He, is he gonna be the number one guy come playoff time? I I've been hearing some takes saying that of the two, he is, and that scares me. I think, yeah. I think Riddick's the much better goalie, but I don't even think that's saying something. I don't think saying David Riddick is a better goalie <laughs> is saying that much. I think he's marginally better. Yeah. And the fact that so, we even have to have yeah. a conversation between the two is is a little bit uh, frightening here. So that that's why I I just don't like look at the other guys: Rene, Flurry, Hellebuck. Like the talent there is far superior to anything they have in in Calgary. It's I don't see it for this team this year. Not even close. Maybe you know what? Maybe they don't either, and uh, and that's why they didn't make a move. It's very possible. Very possible. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But I I. I don't like them that much. I think they can uh, they can burn in hell. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, and no, I don't disagree with you. If it, if it's Colorado versus them, Dallas oh, against them, I'd love uh, that. Colorado beating Calgary in the first round, I'd love that. They'd That'd love be that too. I think they're looking at that matchup and kind of salivating. Yeah. Um. So, hey, we'll see. Um. Oh my god. I I, I I agree. I I think it it's like. With the it's like the Islanders. You're not like the Islanders where you're playing with house money, where you no. really weren't expected to be there. So you can't compare them to them. You can't compare them to Tampa and saying, "Oh, they're so good, they don't need to add." So if they're not in one of those boats and they're simply this competitive team who needed to add and they didn't add, I think there's merit to that. So it's similar to the Leafs, I I think they're kind of similar, right? I mean, the the GM should have made a move, should have addressed mm-hmm. somewhere, didn't. And come the playoffs, if they're knocked out in the first round, and it's an early exit, you'll look back at the deadline. I think you can yeah. write you can write that script for both the Leafs and Calgary if it in fact goes that way. Absolutely. And uh, I, Nick, I just had a journalist moment because I just thought of a crazy scenario. <laughs> What's that? Arizona slips in 
to this uh, wild oh, card Oh, you're not race. going there, are you? They face Calgary, and they fucking win. They beat you're not Calgary. A, you're, come on, you're, you're the last Arizona Coyotes fan. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I would never cheer for Arizona, except <laughs> this particular scenario. I might. Just for the wow. storyline here. Uh, like no one's been looking at this Arizona's right Arizona's ahead of Colorado right now but no one is giving them the time of day to make this run it's it's just hilarious so if they end up getting that playoff spot I'll just be so happy just so happy and I hate their roster don't get me wrong here (laughs) there's nothing of value there for me nothing at all I'm gonna like when Barrett Hayton comes along that's great but man, Galchenyuk, Keller, fucking, I don't like who Schmaltz. Fuck these guys. There's no way. They don't deserve to be there. But you know what? If they are, I'll be cheering, big time. That'd be awesome. You know, you brought up Arizona. One thing I will mention, given <laughs> the the fantasy playoff mood here, uh, oh, a guy by the name of Darcy Kemper. He's uh okay. he's not owned in about half of Yahoo leagues right now. You got to get your hands on this guy. Like I said from the top of the show, fantasy playoffs is all about who's hot in the short term, not necessarily who is the bigger name in the long term. And, and I think a guy like Kemper merits attention here because this guy's rattled off something like seven wins in a row. Mm. The splits are elite. You mm. always want to have goalies who are fighting for a playoff spot around this fantasy playoff time because the teams play harder. They're more structured in, in front of them. It, it, it's just a good thing to have. Right now, he's about 51% owned. I have him in both my leagues. Um, I, I think, like, for a perfect example, I think right now a guy like Darcy Kemper should be owned more than a guy like Martin Jones. Y- yes, one guy is on an elite team in Jones, but one guy's struggling. The other guy's hot. And when there's only two weeks left in your fantasy season or two or three weeks left, which is at the, the point we're at right now, you're better off having the lesser known hawk guy than the 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 overvalued cold guy mm. in, in Jones. So I hey, don't be surprised if I go dropping Martin Jones this week. Yeah. Just, just so I can have room for Kemper on my team. So I, I that's just some advice to everybody here with the playoffs coming up. Darcy Kemper, he should be on your radar. Now, Nick, I want to ask you a question that I think it's on a lot of people's minds just while we're on the fantasy topic. And I, there may not there may not be a single right way to, to go about this, but we're all going to be facing situations where we've got a player on our roster who's been a, a, a good soldier for us. And he's gotten us to where we are, and we've trusted him, and uh, he, he's been great. But, Nick, he has a very poor schedule in a coming week. He's got, say, two games, and they're against good teams. And there's a guy on the wire who you don't really like as much. He's got four games. When do you draw that line, or when do you kind of pull the trigger and say, you know what, I'm going to have to drop a, a name guy to get the guy who's in the better spot? What uh, At what point in your mind? Does it happen in the in midweek? when things aren't going like you said, like you thought, or does it happen early in the week to get ahead of this thing? I think you have to be aggressive. I've always been aggressive in that respect. Wow. Dropping the bigger name guy to get the the more advantageous guy with the schedule. I mean, I, I did it today. If you saw, I, I dropped a, a good lad in Evgeny Dadanov. Yeah. This is a guy who almost got 70 points last year, but the schedule is terrible. 
Mm-hmm. And and I, I rather, like it sounds crazy, but I'd rather have a guy like Travis Konechny than Evgeny Dadanov. One, one guy's more name brand than the other. But the reality is one guy's rolling. The other guy's cold. One guy's got a great schedule. The other guy has a terrible schedule. And and when he's when you're not keeping him at the end of the year, there's no point in, in, in having him on your team anymore if he's just going to have a shitty schedule. You're literally just keeping him for the the safety in mind saying, oh, I didn't dra- I didn't drop that that marquee player just so you can sleep well at night and say, oh, I didn't drop that marquee player. Well, you're yeah. going to regret it if you end up losing in the end of the day because you're yeah. going to say I could have I could have had more games or I could have potentially had more points if I picked up that lower, more low-key guy with the more mm. advantageous schedule. So I think you have to be aggressive. You kind of have to cut ties with whatever old relationship you had with those, with that marquee player and just, wow. and just drop him. So That's all the only loyalty way to play is it. lost. There's, there's no other way to play it. If, if, if you're playing it the other way, you are doomed to fail. Let me ask you a question, Nick. There's going to be nights. There's going to be nights. When you've got one category to win, let's call it assists, you're looking at two guys in front of you. There's two men there's two options on the plate here. You got one guy who's been semi cold, but he's your favorite player. You got one guy who's hot, but he's a freaking no name. Let me let me let me paint it like this. You got Jonathan Druan, who Kyle loves, and he's gone five games without a point, and he's facing you know, a, a middle, middle, middle of the road team, or you've got Anthony Mantha, who's got like a bunch of points, and he's facing a middle of the road team as well. Now, Jonathan Duran is my heart pick. Like he's the guy. If if I want to just trust someone with with my life, I'll give it to Joe. But if I'm going with my brain, I'm picking Mantha. What what do you say to those people? It's a it's a last ditch effort. You're looking for like a three assist big night. What what goes down in your head? Everything I just stated. You gotta you gotta wow. cut those ties and you gotta and you gotta pick the more low key guy and, and all those friendships you developed and the chemistry <clears throat> you developed with that player has gotta go into the trash. It, wow. You know what I mean? You may not wanna hear that. It might not be the fairy tale you wanna hear. I don't but, want to hear this. That, that's how you win. Uh, that is how you win. You're listening from the expert here. Come on. You're killing me here. <laughs> I got to kill all my team. My maybe whole I'm team, I have to, to blow it up. This, I'm, this is just my way of convincing you to drop those players. Who knows? But maybe, you can't. Just... You can't because now you're throwing all our, our beloved fans out for a loop, and you, you wouldn't do right. that. Right. I have to be a voice of reason on the show. Yeah. 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 No, I, I said it as it is. I stand by that. You just, you got to do it. You just wow. got to. Wow. Unless you're keeping him. That's the only, that's the only no, side. No, yeah, exactly. If you're, if you're keeping that player, then you've got to look for, oh, I get him the whole year next year. Okay, fine. I'll keep him. Like you're not yeah. dropping Nathan McKinnon because oh, he has one game that no. week. I don't, I don't, care I don't even think you're one. allowed. Yeah. Like I don't care if he has one game versus Tampa. You, you don't, you don't drop Nathan McKinnon. You just no. don't. No, or, no. Yeah, it it just doesn't happen. That would be hilarious. But I don't know, Nick. We are uh, we're about an hour and twenty into this thing. We've gone through our trades. We've gone through our bachelor. We've had some chats. What do you think? Is this a good way to cap it off? I think we got one more thing. Oh. You uh you kind of left the fans on a cliffhanger last week. Oh yeah. We said we have quite the day on. 
Boots on the Ground TSN Trade Center 2019. Yeah. You had a mission on your mind. You had an objective to complete. Please tell the fans, did you meet your objective? Oh, okay. <clears throat> let me let me give you let me give you the story, fans. Well, uh, some of you, some of you may not know. I'm I find myself in a very privileged position to have a nice old internship at, at TSN here in Canada. For those of you who don't know, and uh, obviously we're we're featuring uh, Trade Center on Monday, and TSN is like the place for Trade Center, like in the in the world. NHL Trade Center, TSN is the go-to for Trade Center in the world. So you guys, by the way, you guys destroyed Sportsnet on oh, the ratings front. I heard. Oh Just God. mangled them. No, they don't. Uh, and if you saw the show, Nick, like you wouldn't believe, like when we were when we were breaking the Mark Stone trade, they were ten minutes behind. They like as we were discussing the details of Mark Stone, they were still talking about freaking Fiala, which happened right. a, a year, a uh, fucking hour ago. So they were they were brutal on that front. But as you guys know, we lo- we like uh, we like Pierre Maguire on this show, and uh, and he's he's known to make some appearances. On, uh, on Trade Center there, and I knew he was going to be there, but I didn't know if I'd be able to, you know, meet him and shake his hand like like I've always dreamed of and like Nick's always dreamed of. But uh, I'm telling you, the stars aligned for me. And uh, when they were taking us down to the studio, there's a little lunch table that lines the hallway right before you enter Studio 6. And uh, who's the one guy who's noodling around the, the lunch table? It's Pierre McGuire. And I kid you not, ladies and gentlemen, he was on his own. He was the only guy picking away at the lunch, filling his plate. <laughs> Absolutely filling his plate. What is and, it, 11 a.m.? Not no, even lunchtime. This is 11.30, and Pierre knows, he knows that he's getting lunch delivered at 12 o'clock. Swiss so, LA, nonetheless. Swiss LA. So he knows that lunch is coming for him, and yet he's still filling his plate because he knows it's not enough. So I, I look at the guy up and down. A couple things come to my mind. I say, first off, he's taller than I thought. I'll give him some credit here. He's about 5'11", just just a, a little bit shorter than I am. And then you look at him from the side, Nick, and it's just the, the, the beautiful <laughs> image is shattered. The guy's an absolute penguin, especially in that little suit of his. He is so big in the middle compared to the rest of his body it's 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 proportionately off it's just weird to look at like you give him a side profile he's so he's got a gut nick like you wouldn't believe the guy just looks like a penguin and when he walks it's like he doesn't bend his legs it's like he's holding the shit or something like he's he's just walking like 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 waddling around like looking for dead fish like it's just weird and then of course of course, guys, I did this all I did this all for you guys. I had to shake his hand. So uh, I walked right up to him without hesitation. Walked up, threw my hand out, said, Hey Pierre, nice to meet you. I'm I'm a huge fan. And he, he took my hand a little reluctantly, I might I might <laughs> add. A little reluctantly, he said uh, and I gave him, I gave him kind of the story, like, yeah, yeah uh, I'm a big fan. I listen to you every every day on uh, TSN radio, and uh, I I mentioned my buddy Nick here. I said my friend Nick and I have been following your work for for some time now. So I gave him my respects, you know. And he, what he did was he kind of looked at me, gave me a sideways glance with my hand in his hand, and he said, 
he gave me one of these. He goes, so what do you do around here? And I'm just like, all right, all right. I see how this is going. I see how this is going. He's not not too <laughs> impressed with my line. <clears throat> so I, I basically told him what I did, and you know he 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 was uh, he warmed up to me a little bit more after that. He telling him I was an intern and I was you know a young student learning, so he was a bit warmer after that. And then uh, I I quickly asked him what his thoughts were on the trade. And he was, and this was the Kevin Hayes trade. He got really excited, really animated, gave me some pretty poor takes, if I might add. Uh, and then uh, he just kind of waddled off into the distance. But, uh, but guys, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just really pleased to say that uh, I, I did, uh, I said what I wanted to say, and uh, he was a relatively nice guy. Like I'm not gonna say he was like a warm, caring, uh, just uh, awesome dude, because he, he certainly didn't come across like that. He was he was pretty focused, honestly, but uh, just just a funny funny guy to see in real life. Just a funny character. Like I said, he's a penguin. He's thick in the middle, and uh, he's 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 a good guy. He's a good guy, and I, I got to meet him, which I find uh, I just I thought it would never happen. So, in, in three months, I've met Connor McDavid, the best player in the world, and Pierre Maguire, the weirdest man alive. So, I feel pretty darn fortunate. And yeah, I mean, hey, if you got stories within that short time about Connor McDavid and Pierre, I mean, yeah, I don't care what you say, spit and chicklets, they've got nothing on us. Yeah, I mean, that those are the two biggest celebrities in hockey that uh, I mean, we got to meet firsthand. Yeah, and that's so, uh, that's true uh, insider podcast material. Oh so my that, god, that's amazing! That, that, that's that's amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I may not sound too surprised right now, but I must have been on the phone with Kyle for a good half hour. Oh yeah, talking to him about about this Pierre conversation. I needed to know everything because he's yeah. my icon. He's who yes. I look up to, mm-hmm. who I aspire to be in the future. Maybe not as fat, <laughs> but but uh, but boy, oh boy, what a, yeah. what a moment! No, what, and- what a moment! Nick had me call him the, that night of just uh, so he could get my freshest memory out of me. And uh, we uh, we really dissected the whole the whole thing, so it was it was really good. I, f- I felt like I was r- kind of representing both of us when I was going up there. And guys, I-, I wanted to to mention the show. I really did, but uh, I just knew in my head. I said, if for whatever reason he does listen to the show, there's like an eighty five percent chance that we're ragging on him and we're we're just trashing this guy. So there's right. no way I'm mentioning the show. There's just not. no way. I mean, if if we like, we're likely gonna run into him at some point again, whether whether it be in some bar in Buffalo or Detroit or Arizona, one of his hangouts when he's doing a game, we're, we'll meet him someday yet again. And, yeah. And we don't want that going rough. We don't want that going poorly. I mean, we no. want to have a good reputation with this man. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and all... hey, if, if one one more thing, if you're asking me if my like perception of him has changed at all. Because like he's kind of coming off as a villain here, maybe not the fun-loving, no. know, teddy yeah. bear that he comes off on on, on television. Mm-hmm. Um, that that no, that has not changed. I I believe you know he must have been stressed. He must have been in a hurry. Duffy must have been in his ear saying, "Hey Pierre, we need you back here on the panel. Yeah, commercials almost over." 
Um, he must have been starving. Probably hadn't eaten since his workout early in the morning. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, let's be honest, Kyle. He probably didn't want to talk to some intern at, at that time. Let's be no, honest. absolutely, Nick. It should be said. Like I saw, I saw all those guys kind of walking around. I was sitting right by the fridge for a good hour and a bit during this whole thing. I saw Bobby Mack walk within two feet of me. And he looked like he was just on another world. Mm-hmm. Like he looked stressed and he was kind of sweaty and he was kind of shaking his head like as if he had just been through the ringer. And I, I, I wouldn't have even wanted to approach this guy because he would have just swatted me away like a fly. <laughs> but so no, if, if you consider all that and, and it is pressure and it's it, like these guys have to be on point and on the ball. So I totally get why he'd be a little bit reserved and, and kind of in his own head. So I I don't fault him for uh, for not you know giving me a big old hug or anything you know so yeah it was uh, it was a it was a pleasurable meeting and I, I I'm thankful that he was uh, he actually took time out of his day to talk to me. Yeah, and and finally, I mean, yet again, everyone should applaud Kyle and the rest of the TSN crew. It was yet again another great show. Uh, I I particularly liked the the history of Trade Center segment with Jay mm. and Dan. Yeah. Did did you watch that? I did. Yeah. Oh man, that was so funny. That was so well done. Yeah, like, they're it was good. Like a documentary showing the history of Chase <coughs> since '03. All goofy up, shit. I couldn't believe they they used to have a rink in the studio. Mm. With 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 Darren Pang skating around in a suit showing oh drills. My God. Like it was, <laughs> like this was straight out of some '90s action movie or some shit like that. This was a wacky shit. It makes and, this and trainer just, look really tame, eh? <laughs> yeah. And, really and, tame. And, and, and Duffy, he, he looks like a totally different person back in Oakland. Yeah. 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 So it was that was really good to see. Uh, they they it was very on point to say the least. So, um, yeah, another great year for for the Trade Center coverage on TSN. And O Dog was an absolute star. I just thought he was hilarious all day. Just yeah, with his he, with he, his kind of I don't care attitude and and him tackling tradey and and him saying I don't care about the the coil trade or whatever he said when he was golfing, <laughs> it was amazing. I was like, this guy's awesome. And how yeah, and, and he yeah. he would always disappear, Nick. Like being behind set, like the producer lady, the director, she was always yelling, "Where the hell is O Dog?" Because he was right. always running off trying to find a, a bagel or something. Like God, he was hilarious. Right. Right, and just like when when him and Pierre would like be sitting together because they sat right next to each other, like seldomly did they make eye contact with yeah. each other. And when yeah. they did, there was just this miserable look on the O Dog's face. Like, why <laughs> am I listening to this penguin right now? Yeah, like you could tell there was there was some uh, there was some so it was pretty heated there on the panel. And you saw the distance that Pierre kept from O Dog on that uh, on that table, eh? There was like <laughs> oh, yeah. there was like the four guys. And then Pierre all the way to the right. It was hilarious yeah. to look at. Like yeah. it, you could just tell. And his suit was a little bit brighter than everyone's. Yeah. Like it was yeah. just funny. You could tell he was kind of the outcast of the group. Not not to mention he would just split whenever he felt like it and, and walk over to Bobby Mack. To break or, a trade. Or, 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 or instead of like being attentive and listening to Duffy, he'd be checking his reflection in, in his <clears throat> phone to make yeah. sure his makeup was on point. Yeah, <laughs> it was just really something. The guy's just a just a class act, and he didn't disappoint. He had some uh, yeah. some funny takes. So, yeah. no, we we got exactly what we wanted. All right. Well, uh, yeah. On that note, 
Uh, it was a very festive episode. Lots to talk about. It was it was a crazy week. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, unless you got anything to add, Kyle, I think that about wraps it up. No, yeah, just a lot, like just dense, dense content this week. Yeah. A lot, to, a lot to get through. So, uh, I hope you guys digested it okay. I'm sure, like this is like the third, third or fourth time you're hearing analysis on on these things. But uh, we like to add a little bit of rink moose magic, if you will. So, yeah, hopefully you got a little bit more perspective on the way things are shaping up and and the outlook of the season. And we we did we we outlined some interesting storylines to check on throughout the throughout the week and throughout the couple months to go here. So, yeah, it was it was good good to get through the trade center stuff, and we'll we'll be right back at you with definite definite fantasy news updates, uh, our league as well as um, you know just fantasy ho- uh, advice in general. I think that's going to probably pick up in the next couple of episodes. Uh, as we're all buckling down, I'm sure to to start winning some weeks. So yeah, it, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good couple weeks coming up, and we're excited. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, uh, fantasy, lots going on there. The end of Bachelor, lots oh yeah, going on there. Um, hey, I'll tell you what. Even from here in Kingston, things are heating up. Uh, Queens, the varsity men's team, they've qualified for the for the final. Against, oh, good. Uh, against the winner of Western and Guelph wow. in, in, the, in the Ontario final. So, um, yeah, I, I might even go to the <clears> final. Uh, I think that would be really something. So I might have some some update on the viewers there. You know, I love my amateur hockey. So, mm-hmm. um, hey, may have some updates on that front too. Yeah, you should go, yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, I hear it's I hear it's the hell of a barn we got here. It's the same <laughs> one I play on for my intramural team. But, wow. of course, it, w- it would be a lot more lively. When, yeah. when the varsity team's playing, to, to I'm say sure. the least. So, uh, yeah, wouldn't that be something? Western versus Queens. Oh, now that's a journalist storyline uh, if I ever yeah, heard there one. There you go. There nice. You go. All right, um, fellas. Yeah. I think that about wraps it up. And uh, it was just a pleasure to do the show, even if it is in this closet. And uh, <laughs> without further ado, Nick, this is Rink Moose. Signing. Oh.